You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places past the event horizon. Bullies are victims, men are women, and abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there. But to find your way back, you have to notice it. And now, the Disaffected Podcast with Joshua Slocum. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. First thing I want to say, after thank you for joining me, (laughs) we didn't have a pandemic. All of this, every bit of it, the part that was called a pandemic, a severe emergency, That's a lie. Every single bit of it has been a lie from the beginning. The virus is real. The pandemic and the emergency were never real. I am, you know, that statement that I just made, I predict, we'll see if I'm right about this, I predict that that will remain socially unacceptable to say for years, perhaps decades. It may even be permanently socially unacceptable to say. Because if the people behind this bullshit and the millions of Americans who went along with it have their way, the history books in whatever form they exist, if they exist, will not allow the truth to be told. Millions and millions and millions of Americans, largely on the left, but not exclusively, invested their belief, their trust, their emotions, their sense of self-worth in believing this narrative and in performing the stereotyped theatrical rituals that this narrative requires. That pride and that emotional investment is going to keep millions and millions of people from ever, ever admitting that they were wrong. They will continue not to admit that they were wrong, no matter what the consequences, no matter how badly they treated their friends and family, no matter how many people they said should be fired from their jobs if they won't get the vaccine. Well, you know what? I won't forgive any of them. There are people in my life right now that I have to continue to talk to. But if I did not have an economic interest in doing so, if it weren't important to the way my life is structured, I wouldn't have a thing to do with them. And as soon as I can get away from them, I will never speak to them again, including some people I've known for 20 or 25 years. I am done with this bullshit. And I'd like you, listener, to be done with this bullshit in whatever way you can, too. Tell the truth about this. How many people do you know who died of COVID? Uh, Actually, let let me back up a little bit. How many people do you know whom you believe 
or whom you were told died of COVID. That's different. Because I've known people, well, I actually, I haven't known them. I've been told about them who died of COVID for having cancer, for committing suicide, for having untreated diabetes. Lots and lots of people with all these conditions, including shooting yourself in the head, died of COVID because that's our diagnostic protocol, isn't it? What's that from the CDC? Any death that occurs within 28 days of a positive COVID test is counted as a COVID death. This is exercising me because the justification phase of this bullshit is setting in now. People who know goddamn well that they were duped, they know goddamn well that they actively, happily lied along with this and fucked other people are in the justification phase. So one of the ways I see it is is people claiming, I saw somebody today, I know over 40 people who died of COVID. I don't believe you. And you don't believe you either. You knowing liar. Nobody who doesn't work in an elder care home or a hospital knows 40 people who died of COVID. No one. If we'd had an actual pandemic that warranted the severe reaction that we've lived with for the past two years, all of us would know people dead from it. And not just our elderly grandparents either. Yet most of us don't. Do you ever think about that? You ever look around you and say, how come I don't know anybody who died in his bed because he had the COVID? You'll be told that's an anecdote. But of course, that's not a two-way street, these uh, accusations of dealing in anecdotes, not data. No, no. Whenever somebody, whenever a COVIDian has a story, that's data. When someone says the emperor has no clothes, that's only an anecdote. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Okay. I better get off this topic because I'm, uh, I don't need to be any more exercised about it. I want to talk about a couple of different things today. First one is gay marriage. Oh, gay marriage. My, how different things look today than they did just a few years ago. I've been thinking about how this conversation started really in the 1990s when people started talking about taking seriously the fact that lesbian and gay couples often were shut out of the legal and financial structures that married people have that allowed them to arrange their lives in an economically beneficial way uh, with taxes, with health care decisions if one person was in the hospital, with funeral decisions. People started to take this seriously. And what was first on offer, if you'll cast your mind back, were so-called civil unions. This was a legalization process of your relationship that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this term 
I understand that understand that I'm using it a little bit as an analogy. I know that it's not directly, let me just say it this way. For all intents and purposes, that gave your partner, who, whom you had a civil union with, quote unquote, next of kin status. Yes, I realize that it's not the same as regular kin. People didn't want that. The activists didn't want that. And I'm sorry to say I was among those people who did not want that. I wanted much more. Most of us wanted much more. We wanted things that we were not entitled to. What are those things? We wanted the word marriage, and not just the word. It wasn't the word. The word was the symbol for what was underneath that. We wanted absolute, we didn't want tolerance. We wanted to be embraced, to use the current language. We wanted people to see us in the very same way that they saw any straight married couple. We wanted the emotional, hmm, what's the word, dignity, honor, uh, deference perhaps, that we felt we were entitled to. And so we took great offense at this separate but equal arrangement called civil unions. Does it remind you of anything? Does it remind you of trans? Because it should. Trans people these days believe that they are entitled to be seen by you in a certain way. They believe that they are entitled to your feelings. Your emotions must be consonant with what they would like your emotions to be. This is abuse. This is emotional abuse. And it was also an emotionally abusive ask for us gay people. You can't make people like you. You can't make people accept you. You can and you have the right to insist that people tolerate you. That they don't hit you. That they don't try to kill you that they do not deprive you of secular rights that there is no justification for depriving you of. You have the right to insist on that. You have the right to go no further. This has backfired so badly. The entire LGBTQ nonsense, which really took off like a raging case of rabies after the Supreme Court decision in 2015 that legalized gay marriage. <sighs> Where to go with this? I know where to go with it. I talked about this on social media because I wanted to know what other people had to say about it. And I got a lot of responses, a lot of thoughtful responses. Whether I agree with them or not doesn't, doesn't matter. They were, they were honest responses that told me where people's minds were. And that was helpful. Th there were a couple of people that I think may not fully understand um, the kinds of problems that gay couples faced before we had a legal way to make ourselves next of kin, whether that was through civil unions or marriage. One person objected saying that 
the institution of marriage serves a purpose for society because it encourages family stability, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that point of view. I have, I have serious questions about whether that is actually a legitimate secular interest of the government. I, I'm not decided on this, but I'm, I'm leaning heavily toward no, it isn't. This sounds to me like my God said so, so therefore the U.S. government should dot, dot, dot. And if that's the case, we have nothing further to talk about. I don't care what your God says. I'm not trying to talk you out of your God. I'm not trying to tell you you need to live out of sync with what you believe your God says, but your God has nothing to do with me and nothing to do with the United States law, period. I had a couple of friends, longtime friends named Michael and Tim, who were who lived as a couple for almost twenty years. This was uh, this was before gay marriage. I think they got civil unioned in New Hampshire or something like that. <laughs> uh, but but before the Supreme Court decision, no other state needed to accept a civil union that was performed in another state, if I'm remembering correctly. <clears throat> when Michael died, Tim was frantic about how he was going to pay the bills. I don't know how they arranged their financial life on paper. I was not privy to their private decisions. So, you know, they, they may have had options that they did not exercise. I understand that. But... When Michael died, Tim was afraid to use Michael's bank card to withdraw money from Michael's checking account to pay for the cremation expenses. Because technically under the law, he wasn't married to him. He wasn't next of kin. Michael's parents were entitled to the money. This is not okay. Another thing that's not okay was the very common practice of denying same-sex partners the right to visit their partner in a hospital if they were seriously ill, denying that partner the right to make medical decisions on behalf of that person if he were uncommunicative, even if he had stated before that he wanted his partner to do so. And yes, those of you who are saying he should have filled out an advanced medical directive or they should have had a contract drawn up with a lawyer. I understand. I acknowledge that you are correct that those options are there. But straight people didn't have to do any of that stuff. And it's not like there was one simple, easy solution in those days that would take care of all those problems. You had to have a will that said a certain thing. You needed to have another set of advanced medical directives that applied only to that. In those days, you couldn't pick, even if even if you wanted to, you were not legally allowed in many states to pick the person who would be your next of kin for the purposes of your funeral. So I saw, I've seen this um, in colleagues and associates, but I've also seen it personally. A family that would not speak to their gay daughter or son for 20 or 30 years because he or she was a big sinner, coming in and literally taking the corpse. 20 years of silence because... Jim was a sinner faggot, but we're we going to come get his body. We're going to make sure that nasty faggot Jake 
can't even mourn his body. This happened all the time. And you can also say, right, but if they'd filled out the paperwork and if they'd done this, bless you for not having the experience of ever having to deal with these problems. Do you know how many times hospitals, doctors, and people in positions of authority flat out ignored this stuff? Well, that's not how it usually works, and that doesn't sound legal to me, so I'm just not going to let you do it. This was reality for gay and lesbian people for a long time. So here is, <laughs> it's weird. Somebody pointed out to me that I, I said, I'm going to offer a deal here. I And I asked people on the right, would this deal be acceptable to you? This is rhetorical, of course, because the ship has sailed. I understand that. Uh, but somebody pointed out to me that I was basically offering the deal that had always been on offer in the 1990s and that conservatives had already said yes to. And the deal is this. You can have the word marriage if you want. I think it was a bridge too far for us to try to claim that word. Even even, even though I think, no, I'll leave it aside. You may have that word. In exchange for this, you have to agree that there is a simple legal mechanism. We might call it civil unions. We might call it something different. But there needs to be a single, consistent legal mechanism that requires no more hoop jumping than straight people have to jump through to get a marriage license that allows people to pick a legal next of kin for the purposes of setting up house, for the purposes of wealth transfer, and for the purposes of making medical life and funeral decisions on behalf of their partner. And nearly every single person who said, I'm a conservative, said, I accept that deal. I accepted that deal 25 years ago. I wanted that deal. Your side didn't want it. And they were right. Okay, time for a break. I'll see you on the other side. Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. And we're back. Now, I'm going to do something from the other side and make fun of the gay people. So, have I... <laughs> the other night, my housemate Mary was watching some show in her bedroom. And I could hear uh, the voices of the people on there. And after a few minutes, I thought to myself, Oh my God, who are these homosexuals who will not shut up? up because all I could hear was so fabulous so I go over to her door and I said what the hell are you watching <laughs> and it's that that fashion show Project Runway I didn't even know that was still in existence anymore it's one of these shows where they they have contestants they have to design a frock or you know, some sort of thing and move to the next level or, or whatever. So of course it's going to be full of gays, <laughs> full of gays. Um, and it was this one gay and his name was 
Casanova, because of course it was. I heard this woman talking back to him. Well, Casanova, I have to tell, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you serious? He comes up in there and he's like, my name is Casanova. Sure it is, Ralph. <laughs> well, you know what? He got eliminated from the show. Thank God. And he got me thinking. How did I stand to spend as many years as I did as a younger man in the gay community? Because you know what? Gay men are annoying. They're really annoying. And it's not just... (laughs) Well, see, here's the problem. The higher the number of gay men in one place at the same time, the higher the annoyance factor. But it's worse. Because the scale is logarithmic. It's not linear. So if you have one gay man, you have an annoyance quotient of, say, 100. If you've got two, it's actually 16,000 times more annoying. I can't even go up the scale because we don't have enough numbers for this, but that's what it's like. So I propose that we have... um, I propose we have a rule. One gay in the room, one at a time. So how it would work would be like if I were to go to a club or a party, somebody would be stationed there basically to bounce the gays and be like, oh, oh, sorry, Josh, Lance is already in here. Please remain behind the line. (laughs) Because you know what? I'm going to do it myself. If I am ever the owner of a venue or if I give grand parties or something, I'm Remember Mad TV? Do you remember the Van Cum lady? <laughs> I'm going to station her at the door. And when an extra gay shows up, it's going to be, Cha, you know what? Uh-uh. <laughs> Sit down, faggot, and wait your turn. And of course, because no episode of Disaffected would be complete without a trans segment, let's talk about trans. A follower on social media posted a post from one of her friends. I don't know what platform it was on. And said, what's everyone's thoughts? This feels incredibly emotionally manipulative manipulative to me. So I'm going to read it to you. I'll probably do this on the show on Sunday as well. Well, I may be. Oh, let me plug the Sunday show. We have a video example, one of the best examples I have ever seen of cluster B behavior in public. It is so complete and it illustrates, I'm not going to tell you exactly the dynamics, but you'll recognize them when we talk about it on Sunday. It is such a good illustration of of a particular set of cluster B relationship dynamics and how they play out in public that as as my friend... uh, therapist Jake Whiskerchin said it could be a case study. We're going to go through this video and we're going to stop as many times as we need to illustrate the exact tactics that are going on. I hope it'll be enlightening or I hope it will be uh, something that can give people confidence because I think a lot of you are going to recognize some of the behaviors, but you may not have been able to figure out exactly why a person would behave this way. We'll do that on Sunday. So here's a little... um, Here's a mini version that's similar. So here's the post that my friend put up. I am your trans friend, and I am hereby asking you to put down 
one thing you like. It's such a minor thing to ask, and the evidence is very clear. It's so silly that this small ask can't be respected. I can't do Harry Potter anymore because it repulses me. Now that I can understand what's in it and should have been obvious to me, I don't know how you aren't repulsed yet, and that tells me a lot. It's okay to take some time. It's okay to research. I'm happy to help guide you to critical resources of quality and care, and I'm happy to answer good faith questions about this position I'm taking. I'm breaking in here. No, bitch, you're not. You're a liar. Back to the post. This is a parenthetical. Note, engaging with any variant of, quote, I'm still going to do what I want, end quote, is very clear communication. If you can't do this small thing, you sure as hell can't do the big things. Hashtag trans rights or human rights. Yeah, and cluster B gonna cluster B. And that's cluster B. This is, <laughs> yes, yes, my friend who posted this. It is incredibly emotionally manipulative. Let's go through it a little bit. I'm your trans friend, and I'm hereby asking you to put down one thing you like. Starts right out with entitlement. Starts right out by setting up an emotional dynamic. I am your trans friend. That is meant to prime you. Both to prime your feelings about a friend, but also to generate, to pre-generate sympathy. That's what the word trans is used for. I am an oppressed minority, therefore you must feel a way about me. Start feeling that way now before you read further. And then he or she, I'm just going to say she, but it could be uh, he or she. Well, I was going to (laughs) say, I think it's a woman. What I'm actually reacting to is it's a very feminine manipulation style, but it could just as easily be um, a feminine man or a gay man. She says, it's such a minor thing to ask and the evidence is very clear. So here's, it's, this is still part of the setup. It's just a little thing I'm asking you. Just a little thing. You wouldn't want to be unreasonable and not indulge me, would you? Then we get to, I can't do Harry Potter anymore because it repulses me, blah, blah, blah. Now remember, this is a person who is allegedly asking a friend to do something on her behalf. She wants to persuade a friend or onlookers, to feel kindly disposed to her request. She would like you to cooperate. And then she throws in, I don't know how you aren't repulsed yet, and that tells me a lot. Boom. This is not actually a request to be helpful to your friend. This is not someone who thinks of anyone who's reading this as a friend. And this is not someone who will treat other people as a friend. This is an abuser. This is an abuser. I don't know how you aren't repulsed yet. And that tells me a lot. She's already made up her mind. She hates you. She hates you if you don't agree with everything she says. If you don't agree to flatter her. Delusion. If you don't agree to change your reading habits 
and your movie watching habits to suit her. Not only does she want you to change those, she has seen so far into your moral core that she's already made her judgment about you. You should have been repulsed. And the fact that you are not repulsed tells me a lot. This is classic abusive behavior. I've talked many times on the show before about one of the most difficult, painful aspects of my childhood growing up with a mother with borderline and narcissistic personality disorder was not, it wasn't the hitting. I don't remember the pain of the hitting. I don't. I remember the things she said. And the worst things she said were the judgments about the moral failure of my own emotions, my own feelings. It wasn't enough in my mother's eyes. Let's say that she thought I had made a moral mistake in my judgment about something. It wasn't good enough for her to correct me on that or to persuade me to her point of view. She expected that I would already have pre-agreed with her. That's what that is. I don't know why you aren't repulsed yet, and that tells me a lot. This is exactly my mother. You should have felt this way. I shouldn't have to tell you to feel this way. God, it, it, it makes my skin crawl. Don't ever, please don't ever tolerate this from anyone. Don't ever be fooled by this. This is a wicked person. Wicked, not misguided, wicked. And then she goes back to the butter wouldn't melt in my mouth tone. It's okay to take some time. It's okay to research. No, it isn't. No, you've already prejudged. You're just trying to make yourself look like that. I'm happy to help guide you to critical resources of quality and care. Do you hear that? Care. You care about me, don't you? Well, if you really cared about me, you wouldn't have had the feeling that you had. If you really cared about me, it would never have occurred to you to even touch that filthy Harry Potter. But you did. And I had to tell you. So now I know what you are. You're dirty. You're evil. You're a bigot. You're shit. (laughs) And I'm happy to answer good faith questions about this position I'm taking. No, you're not. No, you're not. And the sign off. Engaging with any variant of, I'm still going to do what I want, is very clear communication. Yeah, bitch, it is. Back off. Who do you think you are? I am still going to do what I want because I'm me, not you. If you can't do the small thing, you sure as hell can't do the big things. This is just a variant of, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. The rallying cry of borderline and narcissistic women everywhere. I mean, men have, narcissistic men have have these, you know, they do their own abusive things, but this is so typically female. You can't handle me at my worst. You didn't deserve me at my best. <laughs> Honey, 
I wouldn't give a plug nickel for your best. <laughs> anyway, that's the show. Hope to see you tune in on Sunday. Take care, friends. Well, hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine program. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon. Patreon.com slash disaffected. Or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever. Forever.